Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the United States Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again this week, former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing this week? Doing great, Joe. How are you? Can't complain. Uh, we're we're right into the uh, the thick of things in a, in a what's been a, a gorgeous fall, a great football season so far, and uh, looking forward to talking about it uh, once again this week. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty. Uh... I don't know what you'd call it, but it was it was definitely a topsy turvy week for Absolutely. football. I mean, yeah. If our uh, if our pigskin profits predictions <laughs> on your site were any indication, I shouldn't say our mine <laughs> were terrible. I don't think you can call me a profit anymore. There might be some other word, but that's why I like to put. Uh, that's why I like my to put picks expert. did not work out so good this week. I like to put expert in quotes for that that reason alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's about. I think that's about right. Well, uh, as always, you can send us uh, your questions and feedback or tell us how bad we are at our picks uh, by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. You can listen to the show every Tuesday morning during the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com. And yeah, like you said, it was uh, it was a very up-and-down kind of weekend, um, very emotional weekend. Uh, we want to start... Uh, of course, with um, we had a bunch of games or a couple of games that were canceled, uh, and one of them for just um, very uh, tragic, horrible reason, uh, the Hillsborough Deering Bow game. Um, you know, unfortunately, there was a uh, accident Friday morning up in Bow that involved um, a player from the Bow team, uh, Nicholas Ouellette, and he and his younger brother Gavin unfortunately passed away in the accident. Uh, so we would love to, or we want to send our condolences and our thoughts uh, up to uh, the Alette family and, of course, the Bow community uh, with the, uh, this tragedy they're struggling through. Uh, hopefully, um, I saw that they are going to play this week uh, against Plymouth. It's going to be their homecoming uh, week and game. Uh, so hopefully they can uh, continue the healing process with, with, uh, with that going on this weekend. Yeah, thanks for mentioning it, Joe. That's such a such a heartbreaking thing. And I mean, I've seen um, a, a lot of the local communities here in the area. You know, I live in New Boston, so you, you know, I wouldn't say we're right next to Bo, but um, you know, a lot of the social media pages have really rallied around the family. Um, there's a GoFundMe uh, page that's available that I, I guess has has done really, really well in just a few days uh, since the tragedy. And, and so it, it's it's a terrible thing. It's, it's unfathomable uh, for me as a father and as a, a coach who's worked with football people for a long time. But I think the, if, if there's any, anything good that can come out of this, um, and it, it's really hard for me to even say that right now, but it's just that outpouring of community support that you see yeah. uh, in times like these that, that, you know, you can say whatever you want about, you know, our society or whatever. Right. But I mean, People do really care, and they they do pull together when things like this happen. And it was uh, it was really heartwarming to see so many people express their sympathies and contribute to the family's uh, GoFundMe and things like that. So uh, very heavy-hearted, but um, th- thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, and and uh, I want to mention too, it was just just a, a, an odd coincidence too that it just so happened to to happen on the day that that Londonderry was was dedicating um, a banner to. Uh, a young man who was supposed to graduate last year, Jake Narr, who was a, a captain on their football team in 2020, uh, who, um, again, tragically passed away in a, in a car accident last spring. 
So just kind of, uh, and, I, and I've seen on social media that actually people from both communities reaching out to each other, um, you know, which, is, which has been a nice thing to see, but just, just really a strange um, coincidence that those two things happen to, on the same day. Um, but yeah, th our, our thoughts go out to, again, to both communities, really, because um, I know the Londonderry community is still, still feeling that over there. And, and of course, at Bo, um, hopefully this is, uh, you know, th like I said, getting back on the, on the field on Saturday, I mean, hopefully some, that's something that can kind of um, help them kind of move forward. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a sombering reminder that, uh, you know, there's, so, there's many, many, many bigger things than football. And I think that football is important. And, and like you said, it can almost kind of help heal. You know, you can go back out there as a team and as a community and drive towards a goal and maybe play for uh, a missing teammate and put that in your heart while you do it. But, um, you know, it puts things into into such clear perspective, you know, that this is a game and it's, it's a fun game. It's a great game, but it is a game. And uh, and there are there are so many other things that are important in life that 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 uh, that can happen and and can be focused on that uh i don't know i just um just a very a very sombering weekend for football right. definitely because of that yeah and of course we uh as i mentioned there were other games that were canceled this past weekend too um you know <laughs> we had um three postponed or three i shouldn't say postponements three cancellations because um you know these games aren't going to get made up uh i don't believe um and and two of them uh were you know confirmed they were because of uh covid cases within uh, one of the programs that was involved. Uh, you had Central and Goffstown getting canceled, uh, and Central is on a 10-day pause that started last Friday. So I think that puts in jeopardy their game um, this weekend uh, against Exeter uh, as well. And then you had uh, yeah. Monadnock and Kearsarge get canceled because of COVID cases within Kearsarge pro Kearsarge's program. Uh, also saw that the newfound Summersworth game, um, I don't believe that got played this weekend, and I didn't really see why. Um, I think initially it would have been a Friday night game and then post postponed to Saturday, and then there's I haven't seen any result anywhere, so I don't know the, the deal with that. Um, and, you know, this is – I know um, from going around to schools during, during the preseason uh, and just, you know, in my own life, and, and I'm sure, Mike, you've noticed this too, that – you know, it feels a lot like things are, are much closer to normal than they were, I mean, even four or five months ago. Um, and I think, unfortunately, we're seeing, especially with these cancellations, that they're not, you know. Um, you know, I got numbers that were, were released today um, on COVID cases in the state over the weekend. And, and Friday was the highest number of, of positive tests uh, since January um, in the state, you know. So it's... it's uh, it's going to keep happening, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I know this isn't uh, maybe a popular thing to say, and, and I've, I've tried to avoid saying stuff like this uh, in this, in this uh, podcast just because I want to stick to sports. I want to, you know, uh, I want to talk about football with you. I want to talk about lacrosse in the spring. But I'm going to say this this one time. Uh, if you're not vaccinated, please uh, go get vaccinated so we can have a full or close to full football season. You know, it's it's the best way to, you know, to, to keep this from happening. Um, and, you know, if I don't know if you're hesitant for any reason, I guess do um, do whatever research you can. Ask a doctor, ask 
you know, whoever. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to say I'm fully vaccinated. I have been since the spring. Um, the third arm that I grew has been fantastic. I'm, you know, able to do more things. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> kidding about that. <laughs> no third arms, no microchips, no nothing. You know, I, I had a little bit of a headache after my first shot, but other than that, you know, I felt pretty good. Um, you know, so yeah, it, oh, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I, I don't think you need to apologize, Joe. Right. I mean, I think everybody's entitled to their own personal opinion on that and so forth. But I think you're saying that from the heart because you care a lot about people and you care about these seasons being able to, to continue. You know, I mean, the kids are only, they're only seniors once, right. Or right, they're only in right. high school once. Every one of these games is precious. And so I, I don't think you're trying to say that from a, you know, a political standpoint or whatever, right. I think you just, you, absolutely. anyway, no, no. what I'm hearing from you is you care about the kids, you care about people. Um, and, and that's really all there is to it. So yeah, I it, wouldn't apologize for that. You know, it's it's still it's still fresh in my mind what that 2020 spring season was like with no sports. Um, right. You know, it was it was excruciating to talk to to some of those seniors and and you know hear them try to put the best best face on for you know not getting to to play their their finals um, season. You know, and, right. and just how difficult last year was for for some people and i just don't understand why you wouldn't do everything you possibly could to get closer to normal um right so yeah that's just again you're right it's not i'm not saying this for political reasons i can't even believe never in a million years would i have thought that this would be the case but it's where we are um, Yep. anyway let's let's talk about actual football uh <laughs> And yeah. I, I actually, I want to start with, usually we go kind of chronologically, I, I feel like. Um, but I want to start with what was actually the last game of the weekend. Um, and and you, when, you, when you talk about our, our football picks uh, being completely in the toilet, uh, <laughs> this game was a big reason why. Uh, of course, I'm talking about uh, Bishop Girton's 17-14 uh, win over Salem Saturday night. Um, you know, the three of us uh, doing the picks, we all had Salem coming off that 62-point uh, game uh, the week before against Nashua South, you know, and then they come out and go uh, three and a half quarters without scoring a point against, uh, against BG. Just, um, I, I'm in one of, in the moment, it's one of those, it's like, I can't believe I'm watching this. Like, is this really, is this real life right now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, have you ever, have you ever been in a game like that or, or witnessed a game like that where you're just going, what is going on? Like, what? And, and oh, almost every week I coach. <laughs> 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 no, I, no, I, I can't remember one off the top of my head, Joe. But, but you know, absolutely. You know, I mean, and and it's the old adage, right? It's like, hey, this is why they play the games. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody. I'd have to go through and look at all the different media outlets and things, which I, you know, I don't do as much anymore. But uh, I don't know if anybody would have picked. BG over Salem, and that's not, you know, disrespect to BG or anything. I mean, Salem was where in the power pole? They were the number one team. Uh, exactly, the right? So, yep. and, and BG had, had shown up well. Uh, you know, the Jamboree, they, they looked like they were pretty good. They, they, um, who did they have week one? Uh, they beat Keene uh, on the road in week one. Right. So, I mean, they go on the road and have a good win week one. So, I mean, I, I think everybody thinks, hey, BG's much improved they look pretty good but i don't think anybody would have said they're gonna shut salem out after salem hangs 60 something on south you know for for three quarters plus you know i mean i, I just i couldn't believe it when you were texting me and saying 
you, you got it backwards. Did you get hit on the head on the way there? But it sounded like just a just a great effort by by BG. I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I I don't really know how to really describe it. Um, I mean, they they played probably as good as they could have defensively. Um, you know, the the big thing like they didn't they didn't shut. Salem down on offense. I think they they still had over 350 yards of offense. Did Salem? Um, the difference, though, was there really was only one big play. You know, they had turned in a, a bunch of big plays against South. Uh, obviously, when you score 62 points, you have to. Uh, yeah. But the one big play they had was the 71 yard touchdown pass from uh, uh, Noah Mustafa to uh, Aiden McDonald uh, that came. With five minutes left, after BG was already up seventeen nothing, um, right? You know, so there was a lot of, you know, BG made a, a a very good effort to take away Salem's outside running game, uh, you know, and that was a a big part of that was uh, was Matt Sanaswaso, um, who also is the starting quarterback, and, yeah. and had a big game on offense as well. I mean, the, the afterwards, he looked exhausted. We we talked to him after the game. And he was just, he was dripping sweat and just looked like he had been through the ringer. Um, I, you know, and just, uh, uh, and, and BGs, a lot of their kids go both ways. So they're, they, many of them look like that towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but that in itself is an indicator as to exactly what happened. Right. I mean, BG went out and, and, they somehow mustered that heart and that effort, that just full out, you know, you hear that it's such a cliche to hear coaches say, you know, 100% effort, leave it all on the field, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's one of the worst cliches in all of sports, right? But th- that's what it looks like. Yeah. And you don't often see it. You know, you ask for it a lot. You talk about it a lot. You don't often see it for real. You right. know, like yeah. like for real. And what you're describing is kind of like what it looks like for real. You know, when you <laughs> when you have to just summon every ounce of strength across the board from all your players, just to just to kind of even have a shot, right? And you're just exhausted at the end of it. I mean, that's an indication of when you've actually seen it for real. And you know, there were some things too that that broke um, BG's way. Um, you know, Salem fumbled twice. Uh, one of them. You know, I, I I didn't see any kind of replay of it. I didn't get video of it myself. But, you know, it was a, a hit on the quarterback where it looked like his arm could have been going forward. Um, but there was no real debate from the officials on, on whether it was a fumble or not. You know, they um, they recovered an onside kick to open the second half. They have a, a fourth down play where they throw the ball deep. It gets picked off instead of just, you know, Salem just knocking the ball down. So... That set up the safety that started the scoring in that game. So, you know, and then and then on their um, the conversion, the point after on on BG's last touchdown, you know, the hold doesn't get the timing on the hold gets messed up, and instead of missing the extra point though, they're able to throw a pass into the end zone and get two points, making it a seventeen nothing game, which then makes it three scores instead of you know two touchdowns, two conversion, two point conversions for Salem. So I mean just. They, they played extremely well, but then they also had a little bit of – they had some things break their way. I don't want to say luck because I, I don't – it didn't feel like that, but, you know, they, they had some things go their way. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it's clear that um, so, so was the the player of the game, right? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, he rushed the ball twenty five times as a quarterback. You've got you've got tailbacks that don't run the ball that often anymore. You know, I mean, I mean, he carried. Uh, they had three kids touch the ball on offense. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And, and then he and then he made twelve tackles on defense. Yeah, just a. A tremendous effort uh, all the way yeah. around. Yeah, and in this day, again, in this day with, like, multiple weapons and, you know, kind of, like, spread out offenses and things, you don't get that 10 tackles a game kid that much anymore. You know, it used to be your strong side linebacker or, you know, somebody like that. Because, yeah, you know, teams are running the ball off tackle, you know, three quarters of the time. And, you know, you put your best player at that position to stop it. And, yeah, they're going to have 10, 15 tackles a game. But you just you just don't see that anymore. Especially, so. especially not when he's playing uh, both ways, no. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so they, both of those teams have uh, interesting games coming up this weekend. Salem uh, actually gets its first home game of the year where they host uh, Pinkerton on Friday. And then BG goes to Londonderry, uh, who's also 2-0 and to start out the year. Kind of, I would say some some surprise two and O teams. Uh, if you asked a lot of people uh, looking at the beginning of the or the way the season started, the way the schedules uh, lined up to begin the year, so that that's an interesting matchup there. Um, you know, the other game I, I had a chance to see uh, in D one this week was uh, was Dover at Bedford in a game that um, you know they they came in Dover one and O and Bedford zero and one and kind of looked like they flipped that uh, once they got onto the field. Um, Bedford scored on every possession except for uh, a kneel down at the end of the first half and the last their last possession of the game where they had put the second string in. Um, just a well-balanced, um, you know, they were solid in pretty much every aspect of the game. You know, running the ball, throwing the ball, Special teams was good. Defense forced some turnovers. I can't think of many missed tackles that they had either. There were a couple times where, where they, uh, where Dover's uh, Darian Lopez Sullivan was able to uh, scramble around and get out of the backfield. But outside of that, you know, they weren't giving up uh, many yards after catches. They didn't, you know, Dover didn't break too many big runs outside of Lopez Sullivan scrambling a little bit here and there. So really, I was really impressed with, with. Um, you know the way Bedford played Friday night. Yeah, you know, I I, I feel like maybe we've been uh, I should say me, not we, but but I'll speak <laughs> no, for myself I, no, here. I think I think I'll throw myself in there too. I I, I know I picked Bedford uh, to win that game, but but I didn't have them as high on the list as as some other teams. No. Yeah, no, and and, and I think Bedford's almost kind of lulled me to sleep a little bit, and by that I don't mean like they're a boring team or anything. I just mean. You know, you, they've kind of, kind of, not been as you know, sort of flashy and dashy as they've been in the past, and so you, you have a tendency to kind of incorrectly, by the way, say, "Oh, well, maybe they're just not as talented," or "Oh, they're, maybe they're not as explosive," or whatever, right? And you know, I thought that your your comment on how balanced they found themselves being able to be this week was was a really good one because it it, it really slapped me in the face and reminded me that. You know, hey, aside from being a fan, right, who loves that kind of stuff, you know, football really is about being balanced and playing to your strengths really well and kind of covering up where your weaknesses are. And, 
you know, I really did expect Dover to win that game based on what little information I had on both teams. And so I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really happy for the Bedford program, especially if they've kind of found an identity um, and they're able to be balanced like that. You know, I mean, it doesn't sound like they were lighting it up through the air very much. Um, they, but when they did, they were very successful. Yeah, they, they did a little bit. Um, they had a, the two touchdown passes, one of 34 yards and one of 67 yards. Uh, but they were both short throws where the receiver, you know, was able to just use their speed and, and find an opening. Um, you know, one of them, one of them I wrote about, uh, I think in both stories I did, just because it was one of those plays, it was like, you know, you don't usually see often at the high school level. Um, you know, where it was a perfectly executed play action fake, um, you know, where, where Bedford's Joe Michael, um, I don't remember who the running back was, but he faked the handoff and, uh, Colby Snow was, was a good 10 yards downfield beyond anybody, uh, in Dover's defense. And just, I mean, there was no, once he caught the ball, I mean, there was no shot at anybody catching him. Um, yeah. just, a, I mean, it was one of those, it's like, I, I'm watching, I'm like, wow, I, I did not see that coming. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah you want to talk about being efficient in the passing game. You know, Michael was eight of nine eight of for nine, almost 200 yeah. yards and four touchdowns. Now, you know, again, you talk about some of these, these prolific quote unquote spread teams right there, you know, 23 of 29 for whatever. And this was, but he was eight of nine, but four touchdown passes and almost 200 yards. Right. So, I mean, again, did they throw a lot? No, but <laughs> it doesn't get almost. I mean, that's almost perfect. Well, I will say too, the the one incompletion uh, came in the third quarter on uh, third and seven from Dover's twelve uh, was the last play of an eleven play drive uh, that they didn't connect on. Uh, he tried to hit Snow on that one too, um, and the and ended up throwing it out of bounds. Uh, but then he came back and just and just kicked a twenty nine yard field goal. So you know, right. <laughs> um. I mean, just uh, yeah, I, a tremendous performance all around, and I certainly I want to I want to mention Lopez Sullivan again too, just because that was the first time I'd really seen him play in person, and um, I mean he uh, he's he's a still I, I know he's he's put a lot of work in in the weight room, but he's still kind of a um, I don't want to say he's a small guy, but he's not he's not as big and bulky like um, like a guy like Curtis Harris Lopez last year. I mean that's kind of who I. I you know, could see a little bit of the of the same kind of game there. The biggest difference, though, was I think Darian's a little bit more. Um, you know, when when he's scrambling, his eyes are staying downfield. Um, I couldn't believe the number of times that it looked like he was going to take off and run, and then the next thing you know, he'd found an open receiver and was was drilling the ball into them. Um, yeah, they picked up a number of first downs that way, just from from his ability to keep his eyes downfield. Which, I mean, you know, I. I feel like that's a tough thing to do for for college or even you know pro level for a high school kid to be doing that. Um, that really stood out to me. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, you don't really see that that much at that level, and um, it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of patience to be able to do that. You know, confidence in the in your offensive line and the players around you, confidence that your receivers are yes going to keep fighting to get open. A lot of kids give up on that really early. You know, they'll tuck the ball and run and go get what they can and. Um, you know, and that's okay too sometimes. But, but uh, yeah, that if if that's the case, if that's what you were seeing, that, I think that is far more rare than 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 not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those were uh, two fun Division One games to go watch. Uh, but I think probably the 
the game of the week in Division One uh, was at Stello Stadium Friday night with uh, with Nashua North uh, beating Merrimack forty four to forty three on a last second field goal. Um, you know, in a game that Merrimack led what thirty five fourteen at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think they had scored two special teams touchdowns. Two, two 90 yard, 90 plus yard kick returns by uh, Shea Goodwin. Yeah. Yeah, it must have been heartbreaking for Merrimack to give that one up. I mean, that's been a pretty nice little rivalry, as we've mentioned a few times right. on the show over the years. It's been a pretty nice little rivalry. You know, they've met each other in postseason play uh, and been back and forth there. They've had some really good in season battles. So this is just another another one to chalk up on that. Um, you know, I think it did show, though, that despite, you know, taking a look at the week one result of Merrimack and saying, hey, they kind of got, um, you know, really overwhelmed by Londonderry, you know, maybe maybe they're just going to kind of not have a not have a great year. I mean, it did show that they have the ability to score. It showed that they have the ability to play up with, uh, you know, with, in, a, in a really tough game. So. Even though it hurt, I'm sure for for Merrimack, uh, as much as it was, it, it elated North to be able to do that. I, I mean, I'm sure they went berserk. Uh, just an awesome win. But you know, at least if you're Merrimack, the one consolation you could take out of it is to say, hey, you know, that was a that was a pretty tough game to weather. It, yeah, it didn't go our way, but we know what we're capable of. Right. You know, and, and interesting to look at the West Conference standings uh, as we go into Week Three and look at. You know, North, who was replacing uh, a lot of talent from last year's championship team, and and BG, which you know it's been a couple of years since they've um, you know they've been in the playoffs, are sitting there at two and zero. And then you look on the other side at Merrimack, who has been a perennial playoff team the last couple of years. Nashua South, who we thought was going to you know uh, looked like the team to beat in the conference, they're both at zero and two. Uh, right. Just funny how how this game works sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I want to you know move on to uh, to the game you got to go see uh, this past week. Kind of the uh, a classic Division Two rivalry game. Um, interesting that they're playing it week two of the season. You know, I know I know in the you know way way back uh, in the Division Three days they used to play this game like week one uh, when when Sauhegan was dominating the the series against Milford. Kind of just to you know, get it out of the way just in case we play again in the playoffs. But uh, interesting to see it in week two, I think. Uh, but another another really good game. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. You know, I obviously we didn't get out to see a whole lot of games last year just because of the different uh, restrictions that the teams had on. I I had actually seen Sauhegan and Hollis play in that in that opening round playoff game, and I think that's the only game I got to live all year last year. So. It was nice to be able to get out to one, especially this one. You know, I, I've I, I coached in this game for for uh, the years that I was at Sauhegan, and it was always a really really good game. Usually a very tight game, uh, well played game, and, and it it's a good atmosphere. You know, it's it's always kind of a fun, uh, you know, as these rivalry games should be. And I was able to go with a, with a couple other uh, quote unquote retired coaches. <laughs> Uh, which was always fun, right? It kind of kind of brought me back, guys that were on my staff when I was at Sauhegan that aren't there anymore. I got to see Bill Dodd, um, former athletic director right. for Sauhegan. He was there to watch the game. I got to see uh, Mike Bellevue, uh, who was there uh, hanging out, just watching the game, right? He's he's not coaching anymore, again, speaking of retired coaches. 
Um, so it was a lot of fun, but it, it was uh, it was really kind of an interesting game. I mean, definitely a contrast in styles. Um, you know, Sauhegan lost a lot to graduation. Um, and then we saw them come out and, and really kind of hammer um, Kennett last week. I forget what the score was, but... It was like 37 nothing, something like that? Yeah, it, they shut him out, and, it, and, yeah. and uh, they had a freshman quarterback, Romy Jane, who is Austin Jane's, the, the championship quarterback from last year's younger brother. He's a freshman. He put up 320 yards and five touchdowns on Kennett. Um, you know, and then you have Milford, who's who's they look just like Milford. In fact, they look bigger than the normal Milford team. Uh, you know, even even bigger, I should say. But um, you know, a couple of things I'll say. One, it was it was a good game. It was it it, it probably would have been uh, not quite as close in terms of Milford being victorious. I I think Milford shot themselves in the foot at some really inopportune times. They had two. Um, roughing the kicker penalties, both of which, uh, you know, converted Sauhegan back to first down and, right, and right. gave them a whole other set of downs to play with. Um, one was uh, was deep in their, yeah, deep in Sauhegan's territory. So, you know, they made some, they made some mistakes at times, Milford did. Um, and then on, on the other side, Sauhegan is just a much physically smaller team than they were last year. They've got a ton of speed, um, I think for a freshman quarterback, I think Romy Jane plays really well. Yeah, uh, he didn't look like a freshman. Right, right. I mean, even just his poise and when he had to make something happen with his legs uh, or avoid a rush. Uh, I mean, he he played he played really well for a, a, a ninth grader. I mean, he really did. But he certainly didn't have the success in the air that he had against Kennett. You know, I mean, I think Sauhegan really tried to get the screen pass going a little bit. Um, and, and they were they were somewhat successful when they did, although they couldn't really be consistent with it. Uh, Milford was really chewing them up up front. I mean, with with the pass rush, they were oftentimes uh, getting the guy free and coming right up the middle. Not even really edge rushers. I mean, they were bringing guys right up the middle. And and Sauhegan really couldn't run the ball at all. I mean, they found one play that they liked, kind of a speed option. Um, between Jane and uh, they've got a good little back, J.J. Bright, who I think is a, is only a sophomore for Sauhegan, um, who's really fast and he's and he's athletic. But once Milford figured that out, they kind of shut that down too. Yeah. Um, but I I think I, I think the the Sauhegan team looks like it's very talented, but they're young um and, and they're they're not very big up front which i think is going to you know it's going to be an interesting challenge for them uh to try to figure out you know what what they can do with a smaller less experienced offensive line milford on the other hand is 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 big right i mean they've got two running backs uh kaden zelinski who goes 245 at 6 feet and they have uh, Logan Barnhill, who's 185. They had a couple other kids back there running. Once Milford kind of, I think, figured out that going laterally against the smaller, quicker Sauhegan team with those kind of running backs wasn't <laughs> yeah, the best approach, the right? I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, you talk with other coaches and stuff. It's like, so what would you do if you were Milford? I said, one, I'd figure out that little speed option play that Sauhegan's been been running and figure out how to stop that. I said, and two, I would just get those two big running backs coming straight downhill. Yeah. You know, no more fooling around. I'd get them downhill. Well, 
it's nice to know I haven't completely lost my edge because Milford came out, pounded those two backs straight ahead <laughs> the whole second half, and uh, and and shut the speed option down that Sauhegan had gashed them with a few times pretty well. But um, sorry, I'm rambling now. But I, I think I was just excited to go out and yeah, see that game. Yeah, yeah good. And one, it was a good game, Sauhegan. Yeah, so he can kind of rallied at the very end to come back. I mean, the game, you had to stay in the stands until the last second because, you know, Sal Hegan came roaring back in the fourth quarter, put some nice drives together, got some points on the board, and uh, and threatened again once or twice, and, 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 you know, almost darn near came back and pulled it off. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, 14-6 final in that one. So, yeah, close one. And, and interesting, you know, uh, Milford gets Lebanon uh, at home this Friday. Sauhegan gets Hollis Brookline at home this Friday. Uh, and oddly enough, those two teams played each other up in Lebanon last Friday in a game that, um, you know, you're, you're talking about getting updates from me um, Saturday night from the Salem BG game and going, wait, what? Uh, I did the same thing, I think, seeing uh, scores on Twitter from this Lebanon Hollis Brookline game, where at one point I, you know, I just kind of glanced at it real quick at a break in, in the, the game I was at and saw that it said 50-6, to six, Lebanon, and then I just saw like 9-42 or something like that. I was like, oh, wow, they must have started early or something. Um, no. And then, I think you text, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I think you texted me and said it was like the first, the still in the first half, and went back and looked, and it said second quarter. Um, yeah. Just I, I, I'm mind-boggling that that kind of – I mean, it was what forty-two to nothing. I think at the end of the first quarter that Lebanon. The end of the first quarter. Yeah. I don't know how you put that many points up well, in a quarter. I think you know, just you know, reading a couple of uh, you know the story. There was a story in the Valley News um, on the game, of course, covering Lebanon. Um, you know, the Raiders blocked a couple of punts. It sounds like and returned them for touchdowns. Yeah. Um, you know, they had I think an interception that set up a uh, another touchdown. Um, you know, and and. I haven't again. I haven't seen Hollis Brookline uh, play yet this year, but I know you know they they run that uh, one of those more pass heavy spread offenses at times, and um, you know if they they're having some some misfortune and and you know throwing the ball three straight plays and don't complete a pass. I mean, what's it take like 15, 20 seconds off the clock potentially? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that extends a quarter a long time if you're if you're doing that a couple of times. So. Just, uh, no, it's true. You know, you can. I think you can feel sometimes as a coach, it's like, hey, you know, if we're down a little bit here and we're not throwing, we're not trying. But the flip side of that is, you know, there's there's always clock management concerns too. You know, so it's it's hard to say. But right. um, hey, you you also got to go with whatever your identity is. You know, and um, Hollis has done well in the years with that being their identity. Uh, I will say this though, I feel pretty badly for for Coach Keith Jones and Coach Robin Bocquet because <laughs> there's no way they've got anything on film that's going to be worth anything <laughs> to help them prepare for those two games this week. I mean, the the film they got on Huddle this week, they must have looked at that and been like, "Oh man, this isn't going to help." Yeah, seventy-seven to twenty-eight was the final, and that uh, yeah. for Lebanon through two games, they've scored one hundred and thirty-seven points. Wow. Which will be, you know, like you see, yeah, going into that game against Milford, Milford's given up 22. Uh, so something's yeah. got to give. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Milford's got a lot of size and a lot of toughness. Chuck Erda, who's only a junior, I didn't realize that. I thought he was a senior for some way, for some reason. Um, 
he's he's pretty good. You know, he throws on the run really well. I think I think he had a rushing touchdown. Um, you know, kind of kind of a, a waggle type rollout play where he he got the corner of the end zone and scored. But they've got a lot of size. They're they're not the fastest Milford team I've ever seen. But again, if they can kind of play that downhill style and and uh, they played really good defense against Allegheny, good run defense in particular, uh, then it should be a good game. I I, really, I haven't seen Lebanon, so I can't comment on their style or or, or their type of uh, game that they play. But um, but yeah, that 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 should be a nice matchup. Uh, I did actually get to see one other game this weekend uh, as we mentioned in the preseason there was an 11 a.m. kickoff uh, this Saturday this past Saturday uh, over in Litchfield with uh, with Campbell hosting Conval um, and Cam- Campbell won 16 to nothing and I mean that's it was uh, it was like your your kind of old-fashioned just slug it out kind of game um, just both teams. I mean, even with Campbell running kind of a quirky single wing kind of offense, uh, it was a lot of running, a lot of runs into the line, uh, some fumbles, some uh, special teams miscues, and not a lot of scoring. Um, you know, it was a you know a. a, a it was a tough game to write about because you know when you get that it's just it's it's one of those it's like just not much to really talk about. <laughs> I hate to yeah, say yeah, there isn't a lot of drama, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Conval is in a in a really tough spot. Uh, of course, not not playing last year, um, and not just not playing you know, last year. Um, you know, talking to their their uh, new head coach, uh, Mike Gilson, after the game. Um, you know, it, it, we were chatting and, and kind of agreed. It, it's almost like starting a new program. Uh, you know, you've got your seniors out there who are playing who haven't played any football since they were sophomores. Um, and who knows if they were even playing on varsity back then. Um, right. You know, with not having a season, not hiring a head coach, I don't think he came on until at some point in the late spring, maybe early summer. Yeah. Um, they went all that time with no real program you know, to, right. to, to go with for football. So he's really starting from scratch, um, you know, but but it seemed like, you know, they're heading in a good direction, uh, although maybe it doesn't show it, you know, in the stats and, and on the scoreboard. Um, but, you know, they, they, um, they didn't really turn the ball over. I think they had one fumble, uh, one penalty, a false start penalty that didn't come until the fourth quarter. Um, you know, so it's just, it's going to be one of those ones for them where they just, it's going to take time for them to get it together. You know? And yeah. Take- and, and I think the hardest part, you know, and you never, you never say this as a coach, you never say this to the press, at least not on record. You know, you, you wouldn't say it to your parents, but I really do. I believe it in my heart now. And I, I believed it back then, you know, you can't, in those situations, you cannot measure yourself and place, you know, your, your own sense of value, your own sense of self-worth as a team, as a program, in years like that on your win-loss. Right, right. You, you just can't, you know. I mean, one, they've just got to be so relieved and happy to be back out there and playing. And I'm not saying that translates to, hey, we're just happy to be here. You know, I mean, they're working every week, I'm sure. They're, they're working, they're trying to win games. But, 
you got to know that, you know, when you're going up against, you know, Campbell's a perennial power. Um, and, and those guys played football last year, and they've got some good dudes on their team. You know, so I'm not saying, hey, you go out and you sort of resign yourself to the fact that you're going to lose, but you can't measure yourself just on the fact that you lost. You, yeah. you, if you're the Condell program and if you're Coach Jilson, you have to take a look at that, I'm sure, and say, hey, look, we, we have to be very honest with ourselves about the situation we're in, and we have to continue to compete against ourselves, meaning, you know, how, how well do we get better every week? What does our improvement ramp look like? You know, are, are we are we hanging in there? Are we giving up or are we continuing to fight? Do we have heart or are we packing it in? Are they taking the coaching or are they starting to doubt it? You know, and, and I think those are the things that you measure yourself on. Um, because you may not have a lot of opportunities to, to pull games out this year just because of the experience curve that you're behind. Um, so those seasons could be hard. You know, I, I mean, I've, I've had that kind of season, you know, and – um, it really is like a rebuild, but you, you really have to check your own ego and you have to check, um, you, you know, the morale of the kids and, and let them know that, you know, we're, we're really in it, guys, to rebuild a program here. And we're measuring our, ourselves on a lot of different things. You can't just look at wins and losses and say we didn't have a successful season if you have a lot of losses. Yeah. But I'm sure their point is, is you know, I doubt they're practicing to, to say, hey, you know, hopefully maybe we'll win a couple. Those guys are going to come out. They're going to practice every week to win games. And, and uh, oh, you if you're right yeah. and they played that style of ball out there, you know, there's a good chance that they're, they're going to get some wins this season and feel really good about that. Yeah, you could, they were, you know, they were invested. Um, you know, there was emotion. There was passion, um, you know, on that sideline and on the field. Um you know, so yeah, the kid. I mean, at this point, the kids are into it. You know, we'll we'll check in with them uh, later in the year to see how things are going. Um, but you know, at this point, it looks like, you know, despite the rough start, that they're uh, they're all on board. Yeah, that's great, and that's all you're looking for. Yeah. You're looking for that because that's going to translate into awesome things later down the line. No question about it. So, um, you know, there was one other kind of uh, eyebrow-raising result, I think, from the weekend. Um, it, it, this one in Division Four, where you had uh, Fall Mountain, uh, who didn't play, was the only only team in the state that didn't play last week, uh, because they had initially, they were scheduled to play Farmington Newt, uh, in Week One, and Farmington Newt unfortunately had to cancel their season, uh, because they had a, uh, didn't have enough players to field a, a varsity team, so Fall yep. Mountain had their bye week to open the year. They come out. Uh, hosting uh, a Raymond team that um, you know, I know you and I talked about um, early in the, or in the preseason about that them potentially being a dark horse in Division Four just because they had so many kids returning uh, from last year, um, you know. But Fall Mountain comes out with a uh, thirty-two to six win in that game behind um, you know senior quarterback Luke Gay and sophomore running back uh, Josh Devore, uh, both having big games. Uh, you know, just reading the story here from the from the Keen Sentinel uh, story by uh, Christopher Detweiler, uh, that you know Fall Mountain stopped Raymond on their opening drive and turned around and went on an almost ten minute drive uh, afterwards. So I mean that that's just I mean you don't see that at many at, you know at any level of football too too often. So uh, no, just a, a great way to start out the season there with a with a, a drive like that. Yeah, I would say so. And, and you know, in fairness. 
Uh, and I don't mean this with disrespect. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there's people in the program in Fall Mountain who would agree with this, right? There's, you know, we've been burned in years past uh, saying, hey, you know, Fall Mountain's been kind of down over the decade, but, you know, they've got th- this core group of guys coming back or that core group of guys coming back. And, you know, th- I think this is a year where they're going to be, they're going to definitely be in the thick of it, right? And and maybe they I, haven't lived up. I think that was last year. <laughs> last year we might yeah. have thought was that. Was it last year? Yeah, I know, well, they, I know there was one. one... Of, yeah, one of them. But they, they returned a lot from the team that was a runner-up uh, in 2019. Uh, yeah. And then I'm not sure what happened last year, uh, but they did not have as successful a year. Yeah, I mean, whether they had guys opt out or whatever, but it was, uh, you know, I feel feel like recently, even within the past three or four years, there's been like one or two of those teams where you've said, hey, you know, they're really going to have a great season this year probably, and then they don't, you know. So (laughs) I feel like like I've been burned a little bit by Fall Mountain lately, but uh, not this time. I mean, that's a signature win this early in the season, if you can call one that. Um, And, you know, I I don't know what – who do they have coming up this week? Is there another good litmus test this week? Yeah, they actually uh, go on the road and play uh, Epping Newmarket. Um, You know, tough to kind of tell. I mean, Epping Newmarket's won uh, their first two games uh, 40-10 to over Bishop Brady and and 50 to nothing over Franklin. Uh, Yeah. But, I mean, those two – programs um you know just looking at what their other scores are this season franklin also lost to raymond 52 to nothing and uh brady also uh, lost to newport 38 nothing last week so um oh. you know it's a it's an epping newmarket team that's put up points um you know so we'll kind of see we'll see uh but i think that's yeah i think that's those two teams are probably two that um you know have a, a kind of an inside track there to 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 reach the playoffs yeah yeah absolutely especially you know, you don't you don't love saying that this early on, but it seems pretty obvious. Well, that actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that segues into this is this is a nice transition here. Uh, is it too early to talk about playoffs, or maybe it's not? <laughs> hey, it's your show. If you say it's not too early, I say that so, we can say stuff about it. So I don't. I mean, a few years ago, uh, I you know when there were still three divisions, uh, just three divisions with. What uh, was between what sixteen and twenty teams in each one? Yeah, there was a clear pattern. Uh, you know, if you started out the year zero and two, you probably weren't making the playoffs. Um, you know, it just was the number of teams. Just uh, you know, eight teams got to get in, but it was uh, it still put you really behind the eight ball there. Um, so since the changes and now with Division three and Division four having ten and nine teams respectively. That that mixes it up a little bit, makes it a little bit different. So I've I've just focused on Division One, and going back to 2013 when they expanded Division One to 20 teams, only four teams, four teams in the last uh, what is that eight years? Well, I guess seven years because we're not going to count last year. Um, only four teams from 2013 to the 2019 season started out the year 0 and 2 and made the playoffs. And two of those teams actually started 0-3 and made the playoffs. Uh, In 2013, Central was 0-2, won their last seven games, got into the playoffs. 2014, BG started 0-3, finished 4-5, and and ended up in that three-way tie with with Alvern and Nashua South. And they actually made it to the semifinals that year uh, in 2014. 2017... Uh, South was 0-2, did the same thing that Central did, 
that won seven in a row, got in the playoffs. And then in 2018, Goffstown started 0-3, finished the regular season with six straight wins, and, and got in. So yeah, I remember that. We can sit here, you know, you can say it's early, not too early to talk about playoffs, but it's not. <laughs> Which yeah. kind of, I mean, I guess that, that, that the big matchup then, um, I think this weekend, um, you know, two teams we talked about earlier, Nashua South and Merrimack, um, playing each other in Merrimack this Friday. Both teams 0-2. Uh, one of them will go to 0-3 and probably won't make the playoffs. Right. Which is a really tough pill to swallow at this point of the year, you know. But like you said, I mean, you know, history doesn't really lie. I mean, sure, there's always exceptions. Um, but, you know, that that's a tough pill to swallow this early in the season. It really is, so... You've got to figure both of those teams are are looking at this like a playoff game. It's a it I hate to say it, but it's a must win game. You know, right. and and whoever wins that game to go to one and two is gonna have a must win game probably the rest of the way through. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, especially if things keep shaping up the way they have been. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, and you know it's it's tough, but it's also, I don't know. I think it makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, at least from from a fan perspective, uh, I'm sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm sure. Coaches I mean, it certainly ramps the intensity up yeah. early in those situations. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that uh, that just about covers it for this week. And Mike, you have any other final any final thoughts you want to throw out there before we uh, we sign off for another week? No, I think it was it was about as fun of a week, uh, and, and certainly. Uh, from a fan perspective, it's about uh, uh, unexpected of a week as <laughs> as you would have wanted, right? Absolutely. But we've we've said that a lot in past years about things that happen that you don't quote unquote expect, and I think that's what always makes it a great season, and that's why NHIA football is a great sport. It's it's uh, any given night, I guess, right? So it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to more of the same. I you know, in, in, I think yeah, I think the whole season is going to be a little bit like that. Um, some of the other sports are, are shaping up that like that a little bit more too. Um, that just you, you're kind of left scratching your head about who's beating who. Um, in some other uh, other cases as well. Um, but I mean, you know what? It sure makes for a fun year. Yeah, I love it. Right? You, you always say, "Hey, you don't de- you don't beat teams on paper. Got to go out and play the games." And you know, this past week was a perfect example of that. I love it. Yeah. Well, Mike, thanks again, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. He is Mike Lockman. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the games this week.